healthy from the inside out. This is Valley Well Valle Salud, a health and wellness information program brought to you by ValleyWise Health and District Medical Group. Each week, we go in-depth with different healthcare experts on some of your top health questions, getting answers to help you live your best life. Hello and welcome to Valley Well Valle Salud. I'm your host, Lauren Vargas. While the COVID-19 pandemic certainly put a strain on our healthcare system this year, medical experts worry other health emergencies like stroke or heart attack are going untreated as people avoid hospitals out of fear of COVID-19. But the hospital is still the safest place you can go to treat a stroke or heart attack. And today we're going in-depth on the difference between the two with Dr. Merdad Saririan. He's an interventional cardiologist with District Medical Group and Chief of Cardiology at Valleywise Health Medical Center. Dr. Saririan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little about what you do at Valleywise Health. I saw in your bio, you're also a professor. Um, yes, I am. So uh, I lead the division of cardiology. I'm primarily clinical, even though um, I'm also uh, uh, the uh, chief of the department. My day-to-day um, work involves all aspects of patient care, including uh, duties in the cardiac catheterization laboratory, where I treat heart attack and heart disease patients. But I also um, uh, teach uh, our next generation of physicians and internists, uh, and I also do outpatient clinic. Wow. Sounds like you're really busy. And you know, we do this show every week. We talk about a different health topic. And normally, I kind of... I can understand a lot of, you know, what they're talking about, but when it comes to stroke and heart attack, I really don't know much at all about it. So can you talk about the difference between stroke and heart attack? Sure. So uh, a stroke, another good uh, word for stroke is brain attack. Therefore, you, you're able to see the relationship between uh, what a stroke is and what a heart attack is. They're both uh, attacks, so to speak, uh, that involve two different organs oftentimes with the same mechanism, which typically involves lack of blood flow either through the heart or to the brain. Okay. And, and why does that happen? Excellent question. The, the, the majority uh, of strokes, about 90% of them, occur due to lack of blood flow to the brain, uh, what we call ischemic strokes rather than hemorrhagic strokes or, or strokes due to bleeding inside the brain. Ischemic strokes are typically uh, caused by plaque buildup or cholesterol buildup within the blood vessels uh, that can sometimes uh, rupture, cause thrombus or blood clots within the blood vessels themselves, which then can also travel up from the uh, blood vessels into the brain and cause a blockage uh, involving one of the uh, vessels of the brain, therefore causing lack of blood flow and oxygen to the brain itself. And the exact same mechanism happens for heart attacks where there is a blockage involving one of the blood vessels, again, causing blood clots to form within the blood vessel itself, causing lack of blood flow to the, uh, to the heart itself and causing heart tissue damage. Those blockages are typically due to cholesterol buildup within the blood vessels themselves. And there are multiple different risk factors for both heart attack and stroke. And oftentimes they're, exa- they're the exact same because it's the exact same mechanism of disease. Diabetes, for example, is a, a very strong risk factor for both stroke and heart attacks. High blood pressure uh, as well uh, is a strong risk factor. And also smoking is a strong risk factor for both of those conditions. So as a cardiologist, do you treat both stroke and heart attack? I primarily focus on heart attack treatments. Uh, I'm not a neurologist, but of course, I am trained in the recognition of all cardiovascular diseases. And stroke is a cardiovascular illness, particularly uh, given the same 
mechanisms by which heart attack and strokes uh, happen. There are some interventional cardiologists uh, that are also trained in uh, treating acute or uh, emergency strokes through uh, invasive or cath lab procedures, uh, but I am not one of those interventional cardiologists. We're talking with District Medical Group cardiologist, Dr. Merdad Saririan with Valleywise Health about the difference between stroke and heart attack. If you feel or you know someone who may have signs or symptoms of stroke or heart attack, seek emergency care and call 911. But for non-emergencies, we encourage you to make an appointment with an outpatient physician at one of our Valleywise Community Health Centers. And you can do that by calling 833-855-9973, Monday through Friday from 7.30 a.m to 5 p.m. or visit valleywisehealth.org anytime and click the book appointment button. Um, so the difference between stroke and heart attack, which one is more common? Excellent question. So heart attack is by far the most common uh, of the two. I'll give you some statistics. In 2018, there was 795,000 people who had a stroke in the U.S. And stroke only accounts for one in every six cardiovascular disease-related deaths. So the vast majority of those, five out of six, is really just uh, of all deaths are due to heart attacks. So heart attacks are significantly more common than strokes. And I'll give you another statistic just to uh, drive home with the point. Someone in the United States has a stroke every 40 seconds, and every four minutes, someone dies from a stroke in the United States. If we look at heart attacks, someone dies of a heart attack every 36 seconds. So while both strokes and heart attacks are very common, every four minutes, someone's dying of a stroke. Every 36 seconds, someone's dying of a heart attack. And both of those conditions lead to significant disability, uh, particularly stroke. And both of those conditions are a significant health expense in the United States alone. Uh, in it, it's estimated that uh, roughly $220 billion is spent every year on uh, health services, uh, medicines, lost productivity, et cetera, just from heart disease. And roughly a similar amount is also spent on, on stroke-related illness and disability. Do we know if this is a bigger issue in the U.S. than other parts of the world? And why would that be? Heart attack and stroke are the leading cause of death and disability in all uh, industrial uh, countries. Uh, that includes uh, Western Europe, Canada, and also as a rising cause of death in also China as it's, uh, as it's becoming more and more developed. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death in both men and women. And one in four deaths total in the United States is due to cardiovascular disease. So I, I mentioned I really don't know much about stroke and heart attack. I'm kind of embarrassed that I feel like everything I know is maybe from movies, which is probably not accurate. So let's talk about stroke for a little bit. What are the signs and symptoms that you or someone you're witnessing might be having a stroke? These are very important signs and symptoms to uh, recognize because early care and early activation of emergency medical systems uh, is what's going to save your loved one's life. Sudden numbness, weakness in the face or the arm or the leg, particularly if it's just on one side of the body, is a common sign of stroke. Other signs include confusion, sudden confusion, sudden trouble speaking or difficulty understanding speech, trouble seeing, particularly in one eye, sudden trouble walking, uh, loss of balance or coordination. 
uh, and sometimes even sudden severe headache that is out of the norm for most people. Headaches are common enough and people have migraines, but something that is unusual, that is very severe, can also be a sudden sign of stroke. So it's important to recognize those things. And there's an acronym that's oftentimes used to recognize key signs of stroke, and it's called FAST. F stands for face. Is the person able to smile? And, and if you see drooping on one side of the face or the other, that might be a sign of stroke. The A stands for arms. Is the person able to lift both arms up in the air? And if one arm drifts downward, that's a sign of weakness and um, is considered a sign of stroke. The S stands for speech. Is the person able to repeat simple sentences, simple phrases? Is the speech slurred or does it just sound strange and unusual for that person? And then finally, the T stands for time. If you recognize any of those things, uh, symptoms that I just mentioned involving the face, lack of strength in the arms, uh, lack of coordination and imbalance, uh, speech difficulty, then you need to call 911 right away and get the person to the nearest emergency room or preferably nearest stroke center. Fast. That's such a, a great way to remember that and something everyone can definitely use. Um, Dr. Merdad Saririan is talking to us about stroke and heart attack and the difference between the two. Um, he is a district medical group physician at Valleywise Health, and you can make an appointment at Valleywise Health by calling 833-855-9973 Monday through Friday from 7.30 a.m. to 5 p.m., or you can visit valleywisehealth.org and click the book appointment button. Chencho Flores is our audio producer on the show, and he has some questions for you. Sure. I just have um, actually one question. Um, can you talk a little bit about the link to stroke and heart attack uh, and diabetes and the importance of actually staying on top of your, your diabetes if that's what you have? Or So uh, diabetes is a, a strong, very strong risk factor for both stroke and heart attack. Diabetes is, um, in, in some sense, it can be called the cancer of the blood vessels because it really does a number on them. Um, it can lead to premature early atherosclerosis or um, uh, cholesterol buildup in the blood vessels, which ultimately leads to continued narrowing and, and blockages involving those blood vessels, which ultimately leads to less perfusion and blood flow and oxygen delivery to the, to the brain and to the heart. Controlling diabetes uh, certainly decreases risk, uh, the, the likelihood of stroke and certainly um, heart attack as well. And that involves uh, early recognition of diabetes, understanding what kind of diet is important to control diabetes and uh, low sugar diets. Uh, and then uh, keeping a close uh, eye on your blood sugars and, and keeping strict follow-ups uh, with your primary care physician or your primary care team. That involves doing regular checks, uh, checking for your blood pressure, uh, checking uh, your blood sugars through blood tests called hemoglobin A1C that allows you to measure how well your diabetes has been controlled. And then finally, also controlling other risk factors that compound the risk of developing heart attack and stroke. So uh, when you're going to see your physician, not only are you caring for your diabetes through diet, through use of certain medications, perhaps even insulin, but your doctor is also caring for your blood pressure. It's also caring for your cholesterol. And all those risk factors combined is what leads to heart attack and stroke and the morbidity and mortality associated with them. So other than diabetes, are there other pre-existing conditions that make someone at higher risk for a stroke? Yes. So age, uh, obviously, is, uh, is a risk factor. The, the older one a person is, the higher the risk of the stroke. And that's just a reflection of the time it takes for plaque buildup to occur in the blood vessels. Uh, that's not something that we can fix. We can't uh, turn back time. 
So we really just focus on uh, other risk factors that are treatable. Hypertension, high blood pressure is, uh, is a major risk factor for stroke, and that's ultimately very treatable. Uh, hypertension is called the silent killer because most people don't feel unwell. They feel just fine, even though their blood pressures may be high. And it can take years, if not decades, for the ravages of high blood pressure to affect both uh, the brain and the heart. So it's important to have at least an annual physical uh, with your primary care team and your physicians uh, to make sure your blood pressure is well controlled. Uh, and then, of course, uh, I was going to mention also smoking. Uh, and I'm sure your audience knows uh, knows full well the all the effects associated with smoking, not just cancer, of course, but also cardiovascular disease. So this might be a silly question, but if someone might be at higher risk for a heart for a stroke, but they haven't had a stroke, and is there a way to see if there is plaque buildup in there, and is there a way to remove it before the stroke happens, or is that not possible? Excellent question. So there are some tests available to evaluate the presence of plaque buildup in both the blood vessels that lead to the brain and the blood vessels that perfuse uh, the heart. Uh, those involve doing um, ultrasounds uh, of the carotid arteries. Those are the big, uh, large arteries inside the neck. In fact, if you just feel press inside your neck, you might be able to feel the pulsations of your carotid arteries. Simple ultrasound can evaluate for plaque buildup uh, in those blood vessels. And uh, that's a common test that neurologists order. To, to evaluate the risk factor for stroke. We can also do certain types of scans of the heart to evaluate for plaque buildup, and that's called a coronary artery calcium scan. It does involve the use of, of X-ray, but uh, the, the amount of uh, X-ray that is required is fairly small, and it's a fairly good screening test to evaluate your risk of cardiovascular disease. Okay, let's say someone does have a stroke, but they survive. What is their life like after that? How does it change their, you know, physical behavior? What happens to them? I'm sure there's a range, but can you kind of explain that? There's a very wide range, uh, and it all depends on what part of the brain is involved with the stroke, how and how quickly you can get to a stroke center that can potentially treat the stroke. So time is brain tissue and time is heart muscle. Uh, and so the sooner you act, the faster you act, uh, the less likely you are to develop severe consequences related to stroke. So we, we mentioned uh, weakness or, or, or numbness uh, on one side of the body or the other. And of course, the, the dreaded uh, fear of a stroke is developing paralysis on, on one side of the body and loss of use of your arm or your leg. And other patients, they lose the, uh, the capacity for speech. So you can imagine what kind of troubles that, that can lead if you can no longer express yourself. Uh, and so it all depends on how quickly you arrive to a stroke center, what uh, treatments can be offered to you when you do arrive in terms of giving you clot-busting medications or even doing very uh, invasive procedures to try to remove the clots from uh, the blood vessels in the brain themselves. And the sooner one gets to a, a stroke center, the, the, the less likely you are to suffer these, uh, these complications. And, and as you've mentioned, they're wide. Uh, you can perhaps recover significantly from your early uh, symptoms, uh, or you can have severe debilitating illness where you're left either sometimes in a vegetative state or you're left completely paralyzed on one side of the body and require lifelong assistance for routine tasks that you would never uh, that what we all take for granted. 
If you or someone you know may have signs of symptoms of, of a stroke or heart attack, call 911 right away. Um, if you're not having an emergency, you can make an appointment with a physician at Valleywise Health by calling 833-855-9973 or visit valleywisehealth.org and click the book appointment button. We've been learning about stroke um, and the different types of stroke, who's at higher risk. So let's talk about heart attack for uh, a little bit. What are some of the symptoms that someone might be having a heart attack? Uh, Lauren, one other thing I wanted to mention about stroke before we move on to heart attack. We talked about all the uh, risk factors associated with stroke uh, that uh, ultimately lead to uh, cholesterol buildup, the blood vessels that lead to blood vessel uh, blockages. One uh, fairly common cause for stroke that we haven't touched base, and I, and I forget and uh, I forgot to mention it, and I apologize, is atrial fibrillation and uh, in its association with stroke. Atrial fibrillation is a very common heart rhythm disorder where the heart beats irregularly uh, and sometimes erratically. And that heart rhythm disorder itself uh, can lead to blood clots forming inside the heart chamber, uh, inside the heart itself. And those blood clots sometimes can dislodge, travel through the blood vessels, and then travel up to the brain and occlude the blood vessel. So atrial fibrillation is a very common risk factor for stroke. There's a lot of technologies out there, including wearable uh, monitors, including smart watches that can detect atrial fibrillation. And of course, every physical exam is able to detect uh, signs of atrial fibrillation. And you know, atrial fibrillation it can be treated, and not just to control the, the irregular uh, heart rhythm itself, but we can also treat patients with blood thinners prophylactically to prevent a stroke in the future. That's, so that's a fairly important thing that deserves mentioning. Moving on to heart attack, and you asked me about heart attack symptoms. Thank you for asking that question. Chest pain and uh, chest discomfort. I don't want to necessarily use the pain because everyone's sensation might be somewhat different, but I, let me use the word chest discomfort. It's probably the most common sign of the heart attack. Typically, the discomfort is centered in the chest, but it can also be to the left side of the chest, sometimes sometimes to the right side, but usually it's either in the center or the left side of the chest and typically lasts for more than just a few minutes. So, you know, five, 10 minutes or longer, it can go away and can sometimes come back. Most people describe that discomfort as a pressure or a squeezing or a fullness in the chest, sometimes as if someone is sitting on their chest. So it feels like a heavy sensation. That discomfort can perhaps travel or move up to the arm or the shoulder or sometimes even the neck. So that's probably the most common uh, symptom associated with heart attack but not everyone is the same. And some, some people may feel uh, their heart attack slightly differently, for example. Some people may just feel weakness or lightheadedness or feel faint. They can break into a cold sweat, for example, and may just feel nauseous. And some people may uh, only have shortness of breath as a, uh, as a symptom of their heart attack, something out of the ordinary that, that they haven't felt before. If, again, any of those symptoms are present, particularly the chest discomfort, a sudden feeling of lightheadedness or faintness, cold sweats, nausea, or shortness of breath, uh, you certainly should call 911 or have a loved one uh, drive you as quickly as possible to the nearest emergency room for early treatment. It's interesting how different these episodes can be from person to person. And sometimes it just happens so suddenly. My parents um, play pickleball in California, and they just told me last week they were playing pickleball and someone on the court just dropped down while they were playing and died. And they're pretty sure they had had a heart attack. And the person had just been playing normally, nothing happened. And it's just 
it's scary. That's absolutely correct. Um, in fact, the majority of patients who have a heart attack don't even make it to the hospital uh, because they die suddenly of a, a, a heart rhythm problem associated with the heart attack itself. Uh, the patients that we see in the hospital are the survivors, right? Um, and so it's important to understand, I can't emphasize this enough, it's important to understand the risk factors associated with both heart attack and stroke. They're usually one and the same. And it's important to get regular checkups, regular screening tests, um, cholesterol tests, uh, checking your blood pressure, et cetera, to try to reduce your risk of heart attack and stroke as much as possible. What happens if someone does survive a heart attack but doesn't but doesn't treat it? What happens if it's left untreated? You know, in your opening um, uh, statement, you did mention uh, uh, the COVID-19 uh, crisis and how people are afraid to seek medical care. In the early pandemics, and the early months of the pandemic, particularly in New York, physicians there saw a dramatic drop in the number of patients uh, seeking care uh, for heart attack. And so these patients are being left untreated, and that can lead to significant problems down the line. So heart attack causes damage to the heart muscle. Uh, a section or portion of your heart muscle is no longer able to beat or to squeeze or to contract. And that leads to ultimately what's called congestive heart failure. Uh, congestive heart failure is a common uh, complication of heart attack uh, that leads to weakening of the heart muscle, that leads to chronic congestion inside the lungs where you feel short of breath all the time. The routine activities that we all take for granted causes shortness of breath and fatigue. Just walking to the mailbox may cause you to get out of breath very, very quickly. And of course, that you know, has variations and degrees, but you know, having that chronic sensation as if you're drowning all the time and you can't, and you're feeling short of breath all the time is not a pleasant sensation. Absolutely. Um, District Medical Group cardiologist Merdad Saririan with ValleyWise Health talking to us about stroke and heart attack. We talked about, you know, how to prevent stroke and some of the risk factors like smoking. Is it the same for heart attack? How can you prevent heart attack? Same risk factors uh, uh, that I mentioned. Uh, the way to prevent heart attack is to first uh, know your family history. There is a strong genetic component to, uh, uh, to some of the cardiovascular disease risk factors, particularly cholesterol. So understanding your family history and what's prevalent in your family, uh, understanding your own personal risk factors, what your cholesterol numbers are, whether uh, you have diabetes or at risk of diabetes, uh, quit smoking if you do, and be active, maintaining an, a healthy weight and maintaining an active uh, lifestyle certainly reduces your risk for cardiovascular disease, including stroke. Uh, exercise uh, improves your cholesterol numbers, raises your good cholesterol, what's called the HDL cholesterol, lowers the blood pressure, and is even a useful prescriptive tool for patients who have also suffered from heart attacks. Uh, we do prescribe exercise therapy in order to, again, reduce the risk for a repeat heart attack at the end of the future. We all know the health benefits of regular exercise, eating healthy, stopping smoking, and at least getting a checkup with your primary care team and your primary care physician at least once a year. Absolutely. Dr. Surian, thank you so much for your time today. Do you have any final takeaways you want our audience to know? Uh, I want your audience to know that cardiovascular disease is the number one killer of both men and women, more so than all cancers combined. So even though we're oftentimes afraid of cancer and cancer is considered taboo, we should be talking just as much about cardiovascular disease. And it's treatable, but more importantly, it's preventable. 
So if uh, you have risk factors for cardiovascular disease, based on what we've discussed, keep track of, uh, of your medications, uh, of your numbers, keep touch with your primary care physician. Don't ignore it. Don't ignore these, your risk factors, because ultimately, if left untreated, will lead to significant problems down the line from congestive heart failure to stroke disability, which then leads to inability to maintain gainful employment, has significant impact on your loved ones uh, and people around you. Get yourself checked up. That's the best advice I can tell your audience. Absolutely. Doctor, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed listening to Valley Well Via Salute, a health and wellness information program brought to you by ValleyWise Health and District Medical Group. If you're looking for more information about what you've heard today, visit us online at valleywisehealth.org slash be well. There you'll find blogs and videos from our healthcare providers, and you can even book an appointment at a ValleyWise Community Health Center near you. That's valleywisehealth.org slash be well. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again soon.